We are picking up our series today, uh, Joyful, as we look at um, uh, maybe a different type of joy that Paul wants to encourage us with today. Um, there is still the promise of joy, even when uh, our emotions and the struggles that we go through seem to be getting the best of us. Um, Paul still wants us to know uh, that we can still experience that sense of uh, uh, fulfillment, of satisfaction, and joy, uh, even in the hard times. And today, we're going to see a little bit different side of Paul. Um, and it's not a joy where he really expresses um, the emotion of joy, uh, but he shows us that he is just like any one of us, that there are times that even though we want to uh, uh, experience that joy, that sometimes the feelings are just not there. And yet, um, joy does not always show up in an emotional sense. Uh, sometimes joy is a step of faith. Sometimes joy is just knowing uh, that I have chosen what is right. And it may not always feel great, and I may not always feel that emotion of joy, and yet it can still be our strength and our foundation of what we do. So today, let's uh, pick up uh, the words of Paul as he's in prison, and he's encouraging the church in Philippi. Um, and we're going to skip right to uh, chapter 1, and pick it up in verse 21. Um, verse 21 is where we ended last week. And last week we ended on this great high statement. Um, uh, and yet we're going to go from there right into where the rubber meets the road into real life. Uh, and, and so we'll read it down to verse 24. So let's pick it up. In verse 21 he says at the end, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we talked about that last week, uh, this great recognition uh, that the source of his joy uh, was in living for Christ. Uh, and yet, even if he was to give his life, that this is even gain, that this is a uh, reward for him. But we see that that statement was not easily made. Um, he goes on in verse 22 and he says this, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. These words that Paul is speaking are not just uh, what many times we read uh, in the English as it seems like it's just a description of two good things. Well, if I continue to live, it's going to be fruitful labor full of uh, accomplishing a lot of things. And if I die, it's gain. I go to be with Christ. But that's not, if you look at the original language here, it is not a, a comparison of two good things where it's a win-win situation. 
Um, if you look at uh, what some scholars have uh, written as they have studied the original Greek in which Paul was writing, uh, one of the scholars, Peter uh, O'Brien, he says this, at this point, Paul's language becomes somewhat obscure and the grammar of the passage reflects the conflicts of feelings in his mind. They are rather disjointed sentences which express great hesitation. We know that Paul was an expert uh, uh, literary uh, genius. I mean, he, he was uh, trained and educated, so his writing was very precise and very deep and, and uh, uh, ex uh, expressive. But what he's saying is, he says, in this set of verses, the grammar actually loses its coherency. It becomes disjointed, it says. And this is not normal for Paul. Um, another uh, uh, scholar, Ralph Martin, says this. He says, the agitation in Paul's mind is clearly seen in the broken syntax of his writing. Um, so we see what they're saying is that they can tell that something is not right here. Um, and what is happening is Paul is truly struggling uh, with this choice that he seems to be talking about. And that struggle is a tension. Uh, there is a tension that is showing up uh, in his mind. And what he says is, he says, what shall I choose? I don't know. You know what he's saying? I, I, I believe that when we look at other writings of Paul, um, we see that in um, uh, Corinthians, uh, we know that Paul writes to them and he tells them that uh, there was a time that he was going through a valley where he was just depressed and wanted to give up, said that they, they uh, gave up on life, was ready to die. And they said that they, they basically just turned it over to God. And he was discouraged and he was hurt. And so that seems strange that, you know, we think of Paul and we think of all the great men of the Bible and ladies of the Bible as, as great people that never struggled. And yet Paul says, I, I go through times where, you know what, I'm sitting in a jail cell and, and I look around and, I, and he starts to think. And, and I think this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I really don't even want to live anymore. I think it would just be better to go and be with Jesus. I'd rather just give it up. And there was a temptation for Paul. He's saying, I'm tempted to just, to just give up. And you know what? Just say, God, take me. He says, I don't know which one would be better. To continue to do this, which I feel like sometimes I feel like it's just in vain. Because you have to understand, we read the works of Paul and we read the history of Paul after the fact. He did not even know that these churches were going to survive. He didn't know how successful things would be. He didn't even know if this Christian faith was going to continue. So he's in the middle of it. He's at the very founding of it. And even though he, he sees things, there, there are points that he is just saying, God, I'm struggling. I, I don't know if it's worth it. And so he is torn between the two. In fact, that's what he says. He says, I'm torn to continue to breach and, 
and carry on and, and try and encourage others when I don't even feel encouraged? Or just to go and be with Christ, just to die and get it over with? There's a struggle, there's a tension there. And yet he's being very authentic with us. And he's revealing this because uh, he comes to a decision. And he says this, that he says, but I know that I will remain. Um, and, and we'll look at that uh, decision. So what made this such a struggle? And I'll tell you what, there are two things that are at work here. And there's two things that are at work in all of us because we all feel this way. I mean, you have felt this way. And some of you may be feeling this way right now. I know I have felt this way. There's times where I just want to just throw it in, throw in the towel and, 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 you know, just give it up and just, you know, go home, sit on the couch and wait till Jesus comes. Um, that's a real temptation. And, and Paul was not the only one to feel that. Um, if we look at the Bible, uh, we can look all the way back to David, to Abraham, Noah. Um, uh, we can go to, even to Jesus who struggled with this. In fact, we know that Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, when he, when he went to pray and he asked his closest friends to come pray with him, and they couldn't even do that, they fell asleep on him. And, and Jesus looking, I could just see Jesus looking over and down the way and seeing his friends sleeping. And Jesus just shaking his head saying, God, I don't think I've accomplished anything. And we know that Jesus's prayer was not just in words, but that he truly felt it. He said, God, if you can do anything, take this cup from me. He wasn't just, you know, being flowery in speech. It says that he was tormented. He knew what was coming and he said, is there any way to avoid it or just take me out? But what did he say? but thy will be done. You see, he was struggling with the same thing that Paul was struggling with. And it's the tension between two factors. The first factor are our convictions and beliefs. All these men of God and, and women of God, when we uh, think of those that went back, they were people of conviction. They knew the word of God had been given to them and they had hidden it in their heart. They had made that decision that God, you have done this and I believe. And so there was that conviction and that belief that was there and it was strong within them. But that came into conflict with something else that was very strong within them and that is their thoughts and feelings. Because here's the thing, when we come to God, we do not put to death our thoughts and our feelings. God created us uh, in, in this form to feel things. In fact, God himself has feelings. So God does not expect you to get rid of your feelings uh, or to get rid of the thoughts that come into your mind. Um, in fact, they're there for a purpose and they can be very beneficial. And in the end, they are blessings from God. But there are times that our thoughts and our, that our convictions and our beliefs do not match up with our thoughts and our feelings. And many times when, we, when our feelings do not match up with our beliefs, 
there is a real struggle. And that is what's happening with Paul here. He's feeling worn out. He's feeling just weary and tired and, and, and probably just suffering. Uh, it, it was not comfortable to sit in a prison cell, to be hungry, to be thirsty. Um, uh, it says at times he was in chains, so I'm sure there was pain um, and, and physical uh, problems. And so when those feelings do not match up with the thoughts, because in our thoughts we, we quote verses like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but yet at the same time, I feel like I couldn't do squat. I feel like I'm spent and there's nothing I can do. I, I look around me and I think everything is lost. There's a struggle there. But here's what Paul is saying. He's saying the struggle is real. And he's saying you don't have to overcome your feelings. Now, this is a hard thing. We want to just overcome our feelings. We want to just, God, just make the feelings go away. Understand this. This is the principle for today. To experience joy, we have got to practice not overcoming our feelings, but beginning to control and dominate our feelings. Uh, in other words, we have got to begin to say, these feelings are real, but my feelings are always going to be subject to my convictions. Remember that, that conflict between the two. The, the, the struggle is going to be there, but our convictions and our beliefs have got to always rule the day. We have got to make a choice, and that is where joy starts. Not in the feelings, but in the choice that I will choose to deal with my feelings, but my feelings are not going to control me. Um, I want to look at two people that had the same struggle that we've talked about. And that is Peter and Judas. Now, Peter and Judas uh, both had a struggle with Jesus. Both of them were disillusioned with Jesus, that Jesus was not doing what they expected, and, and they were very disappointed and discouraged. Um, Judas ended up betraying him and bringing the soldiers to where he was. But many times we forget that Peter did even worse. Peter's uh, betrayal was a much more personal one. Peter uh, went to the place where Jesus uh, was being put on trial, and he did not necessarily give him over to the authorities. But do you know what he did? He personally cursed out the name of Jesus in front of everyone else. It says the words there that he used that, that after the third time that he denied knowing Jesus, I don't know this man, I don't, I'm not part of him. And finally, the third time it says that he just cursed him. I don't know this bleep and bleep Jesus guy. And right then, Jesus is walking out and looks right at Peter. And the cock crows and Peter remembers what Jesus had told him. At that point, can you imagine what Peter felt? That he had failed. The same thing Judas felt. 
Judas tried to go back and say, hey, don't take him. I'll give you the money back. And, and we know that he tried to, to, to go back on that. And he felt like he had failed. But what's the difference between Peter and Judas? Only one thing. Judas gave in to those feelings of failure, of doubt, and despondency. Judas could have come back to, God, to Jesus. What he did was part of the plan of God, and God would have forgiven him and taken him back, but Judas gave in to his feelings. Now, Peter felt the same thing. Peter, it says, he ran out and wept. He had cursed out Jesus while Jesus looked at him. He had failed worse than he ever could have imagined, and especially when he's the one that told Jesus that he would never leave him. So the feelings that Peter felt, all of a sudden, there was a struggle, a tension between the, the confidence that Peter had, because Peter's the one that said, Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And yet at the same time, he denied even knowing him. So that struggle happened, but when Judas gave in to the feelings, Peter overcame his feelings, didn't overcome his feelings, I take that back, but he ruled over his feelings. He decided that I choose my convictions over my feelings. And because of that, three days later, when they thought it was all over, when Peter rose from the dead, where was Peter found? He was with the other disciples. You see, he said, I'm not going to give in to my feelings, but I am going to choose my convictions and my beliefs. And because of that, Jesus was able to greatly redeem him and bring him back and use him. You see, we don't need to necessarily overcome our feelings. I don't think Jesus overcame his feelings. Jesus felt the, the feelings all the way through the cross. We know that Jesus even felt betrayed on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus didn't overcome his feelings, but in spite of his feelings, he said, I will do what's right. Here is the sign of joy that God uses to bring victory. Uh, and that is um, not that we overcome our feelings, but that we do what's right despite our feelings. We look back and we say, I believe no matter what I feel. The great example is the man that came to Jesus. His child was sick and Jesus said, I'll heal him if you will just believe. And what did the man say? I believe, uh, but heal my unbelief. You see, he spoke quickly, but then he realized, I really don't have that type of belief. But I, I will choose to believe, but help my unbelief. Paul, in this struggle, says, I don't know what I want more. To just give up on life and go and be with Jesus or to continue the struggle. But he says, here's the one thing. I will choose to do what's right despite the feelings. So here's the question. How do we get the strength to let our convictions rule 
our feelings. Okay, that's, that's what we need to do. That is the source of joy. When we simply choose our belief over our feelings. And your feelings may not go away. I'm not going to lie to you and say that, oh yeah, if you believe then everything you'll feel better. There's going to be times where you, that feeling is going to be there. Um, one of the greatest preachers uh, of all time uh, back in the day was, was one that struggled with depression. Um, and yet, uh, it never went away. But he continued to preach the word. Because my feelings will not control me, um, but my convictions will. How do we do that? I, I think here's the, here's the key that, that we do. We continue to speak the word of God to our heart. We continue to speak the word of God to our heart. Um, and sometimes when we can't speak the word of God to our heart, we continue to... Uh, put ourselves in a position to let the Word of God speak to our heart. This is why uh, we need to be in church or connected uh, like this to a stream consistently. I will let the Word of God speak to me because sometimes I can't speak it, but maybe as I just let the Word of God be preached to me, it will speak to my heart. And the more we just flood our, our life and our heart with the Word, it gives us that strength. I believe that as Paul was writing this uh, book, he was not just writing to the Philippians, but he was writing it for himself. Um, I believe that he was speaking the convictions that God had given him into his own heart. Because if we'll go back in the very verse, all the, the chapter that we've already studied, let's look at some of the things that we've already studied. This is what Paul was saying. I feel despondent. I feel hurt. But if you go back to verse 6, he says, but being confident in this, he who began a good work will carry it on to completion in you until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, here's one thing that I am believing and my conviction is that God will not give up on me. God who started a good, he's going to finish it. And so he kept telling himself, I'm going to believe that no matter how I feel. God did not give up. I'm not going to give up. And he goes on in, in verse 10. He says, uh, I want you to abound in love so that you may be able to discern what is best, that you may be pure and blameless, even on the day of Christ. You know what he says? He says, I know that God has a plan and that everything that is happening is leading to something. And so if God is preparing me and bringing me to that, I'm not going to get off until I get there. He is going to bring me pure and blameless on that day. There's a purpose to what I'm going through, and so therefore I'm going to believe that. He also uh, said in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He said, here's my conviction that everything that is happening to me is there because it is building the kingdom of God. I'm not as important as the kingdom of God. And so my conviction is that who am I to get too caught up in my struggles when something bigger and better is being built by and through me. And so he was convicted that, that these things that have happened are, are advancing the gospel. And then what else does he say? He says, I want you to know that what has happened will lead to my deliverance. He says, I am convicted and I believe that God himself is causing struggles and suffering in my life because suffering is redemptive. 
out of the suffering, I will be redeemed and purified so that even I will receive a reward that is so much greater than my suffering. So who am I to try and avoid suffering? So you see the word of God that he is speaking into his heart, the convictions as he begins to meditate on the word of God, speak the word of God, hear the word of God. Uh, he, he, he is around people who encourage him in the word of God. And because of that, his convictions can say to his feelings, hey, I'm the driver, you sit over there. Now, he doesn't say feelings get out of the car because he understands that feelings are part of the experience. But he says, but they are not going to drive the bus. I'm going to deal with them, but my convictions and my beliefs are going to drive the bus of my life. They are going to make the decisions on where I go. Um, we need to be the ones that begin to question our feelings rather than letting our feelings question God. Now, it's okay to question God ourselves and, and to bring our, our doubts before him, but not to let our feelings put God to the side. We will say, these feelings are real. And if you read the book of Psalms, that is how to deal with your feelings. We bring them to God. See, here's the thing. When we hold our thoughts and our feelings up to the light of God's word and into the light of God's spirit, then that light reveals what those feelings really are. Those feelings uh, many times are simply the, uh, the process of burning off uh, and reorienting our life. And so they come up to the surface. Um, and, and so we are dealing with them, but they are not the reality of our life. And so when we hold that to the light of God, we begin to see that, that I'll get through this, that yes, I feel this way, but I will not let that feeling determine my joy. And so this is how he overcame. But now finally, uh, here's where we do more than just put our feelings aside, but we need to get up and act. We cannot just sit back and, and speak the word of God and, and kind of just become a, uh, create a cocoon uh, where I'm just going to uh, uh, isolate myself with the word of God. And when I just, I'm just going to keep repeating the word of God and therefore I'm going to make everything else go away. Paul says, no, that's not what I'm going to do. That's not how I'm going to make my feelings go away. But this is what he says. He says, for me to live will mean fruitful labor. It will mean fruitful labor. So what does that mean? That if we are going to begin to rule our emotions and let our convictions and our beliefs come to the surface, then what we need to do is we need to start to work for God. Now, the words he uses is very key here. He says it's fruitful labor. These two words tell us two things. It does not mean that we go out and we're just going to begin to work hard for God. I'm just going to kind of, the harder I work, it just is going to kind of, uh, put that out of mind. Sometimes that's what we do when we're struggling. You know, there's people that, that eat 
you know, just to, to forget uh, their struggles. There's people that work to, to forget their struggles. If I just work hard enough, I'll just get those emotions out of the way. That's not what Paul is saying. What he's saying is, first of all, it is fruitful labor that I am going to realize that I can't do it myself. I cannot work hard enough to make the feelings go away. Um, but fruitful labor brings us back to the words of Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you will abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Fruitful labor means that while I'm in this tension between feelings and convictions, I am going to make sure that I connect to the vine. You see, fruitful labor does not come from what I do. Fruitfulness comes from what I'm connected to. We need to connect ourselves to Jesus. Jesus said, if you will abide in me, I need to abide in Jesus. I need to begin to think on Jesus. I need to begin to trust Jesus. I need to begin to spend time in prayer with Jesus. Even if it is just to be like Jesus when he cried out to God, God, take this from me, but thy will be done. You see, he's connecting to God. No matter what I feel, I'm going to connect to God. Now, me and God are going to have discussions on those feelings sometimes, but I'm going to stay connected to God. Fruitfulness comes when we connect to the vine. We are just branches. You see, I cannot be fruitful on my own. It only comes from the sap that flows up through Jesus. And so I seek the Holy Spirit. I need the Spirit's help, and I begin to connect him. So fruitfulness comes from connecting, not by working hard. But it also says labor. Now, the word labor brings us back to the beginning of, of the chapter when Paul said, he who began a good work in you. Remember, we talked about this several weeks ago, that he is referring back to the work that God starts, and that goes all the way back to creation. Uh, and we said that the same creative power that God uh, put into place during creation is the labor that he gives us. He gives us his creative power, the power to begin to work in him. And so what we do, and when, when Paul says, for me to overcome these feelings and to continue on, means I'm going to connect to Jesus, and I'm going to work through the creative power of God. I'm going to say, God, I need you to empower me. God, you strengthen me. God, you lead me and guide me. I'm only going to do what the Holy Spirit leads me, and I'm only going to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop trusting in myself. I'm going to stop seeking my own ways and trying to fix everything myself. Stop trying to fix it and let God do it. But we've got to get up and partner with God. We've got to not just sit there, but we've got to get up and do what God tells us. Uh, Jesus said, the person who builds his house on the rock is the one that not only hears the word, but does the word. So when God tells us things in the word that we're speaking to our heart, then we need to put those into practice. We need to start to be that type of person. Sometimes it's things in our character that we've got to work on. You got to stop saying what you're saying. You got to stop doing what you're doing. You got to start doing some new things in your life and begin to develop some new practices. That is fruitful labor. It is connecting to God and it is working through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to do that, you begin to see that your emotions, although they're still there, uh, they begin to have less and less power 
over the driving force of your convictions. They begin to get farther and farther in the back seat. Um, the more we work for the Lord and connect to God, we are able uh, to still experience those feelings and yet and let and not let them control us. But not only is the last thing, and we're going to close on this. It says that uh, I am going to stay because I know it is necessary for you. Here's the last thing. If you want to experience the joy, even in the midst of the tension of these struggles, begin to turn your focus outward. The best way to begin to let convictions overcome your feelings is to begin uh, to actually step out and make a difference in someone else's life. You see, when we begin to realize that we are called, not for ourselves, but for others. Jesus said, you are to be servants. I have not called you uh, to just receive the blessings and to be over people, but that you would serve others, that you would love others. And sometimes that means that you would lay down your life for them. That you would feel the, these feelings of frustration so that they may be delivered. And I'm going to tell you, when you begin to understand that your life is for others more than for yourself, it will give you the power to begin to make better decisions and to begin to quiet the voices of the emotions that sometimes want to overwhelm us. So Paul tells us, it is more necessary that for you that I remain in the body. In other words, I desire to be a blessing to you. And so therefore, even though I don't want to stay, even though really I'm ready to give it up, I'm going to start focusing on what can I do for you. Yeah, I, I don't want to do it, but, but you're more important. And he's going to expound on this. We're going, to, we're going to get to this in a few weeks when we get to chapter 2. But today, I want to, I want to encourage you. Are you struggling with, with what you believe versus how you feel? You know what? Paul struggled too. But I want to tell you today that you, even if you don't know what to do, Maybe you don't know if you're going to be able to make it. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Begin to speak the word of God into your heart. Know the promises of God. Understand the comforts of God. And understand that they don't promise everything to be easy, but they have a purpose. And when we begin to see a bigger purpose, we can let our convictions put our emotions out of the driver's seat. But the first thing is maybe you need to get convictions. Do you have convictions? Have you read the word and come to a, a knowledge that Jesus, you are what you say you are? If not, I pray that maybe you would open up the word of God and let him speak to you. He will reveal himself to you. And let his word become real in your heart. Because it's not until we are founded on the convictions of the word of God that we can then say, which will I do? I don't know. But I will continue in fruitful labor for the uh, uh, blessing of those around me. And God will bless you.
Let me pray with you. And let's start a new journey of fruitful labor, even though we might be torn, but God is with us and we will make it.